This is Professor Allen, and welcome to the Quarter Bin. In every episode of this podcast, I will summarize, criticize, discuss, and review a single issue from my comic book collection, which I will select at random. Any book from my comic book collection is eligible, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for it. Was the issue worth 25 cents? Was it a bargain at 25 cents, or was it still overpriced? Stay tuned and find out. For this 58th episode of the Quarterbin Podcast, we're looking at the final issue of El Diablo, number 16, from DC Comics cover date of January 1991. But first, just a little feedback. Darren and Ruth Sutherland are continuing their exploration of the podcast's back issue bin. Continuing their Mike Grellathon, they wrote in on Green Arrow 60 from episode 27. We particularly liked your comment that it's not good because it's dark, but rather it's good first and just happens to be dark. That, again, is the brilliance of Mike Grell. For example, today, I find I have little patience for Batman, because Batman is now too dark and he's dark just for the sake of being dark. To me, that causes the character to be flat, two-dimensional, and very uninteresting. Hope I'm not boring you with my thoughts from so many episodes so close together. Not at all. Keep them coming, buddy. They also wrote in on episode 15, the first of the Adam Strange issues. We're still bouncing all around the backlog of relatively geeky episodes and thoroughly enjoying them. I particularly appreciated your comparison of Adam Strange to John Carter, which is a series I like both in books and comics. I even like the John Carter movie, though I was sadly in the minority on that one. Have a great day. Yeah, I think you two and me are the only ones who liked it. It was far from perfect as a film goes, but I thought it was very enjoyable. A special shout-out goes to the Sutherlands for their generosity. We haven't known each other very long, but they know that I share their appreciation for Mike Grell's work, John Sable in particular, and they sent me a signed copy of the Ashes of Eden trade by Grell. Thank you guys. Very, very kind. If I haven't mentioned it yet, Darren and Ruth host the Trucker Talk podcast which is really, really good. Also heard from Ryan Daly, a.k.a. Count Druncula, of the... Sorry, I need to take a deep breath before this. The Secret Origins podcast, the Dead Both and Spies podcast, the Flowers and Fishnets podcast, the Whatever I Felt Like Talking About Today podcast. Wait, I may have made that last one up. After listening to the last episode, Ryan wondered if I had to pay Shag a royalty every time I used to drop from him in the show, such as... The Irredeemable Shag. Sorry, I'm, I meant the Irredeemable Shag, of course. And, you know, I've checked with lawyers, and, and no, because he lives in Florida, and they have yet to establish full diplomatic relations with the U.S., so I think I'm safe, but it is probably good advice for me to be cautious about things like that, because I've heard, you know, bad things about Americans getting thrown into jails in foreign countries like Florida, so probably best, you know, to be to be safe, to be cautious. The Facebook post for that last episode was shared by Ed Moore 
of the Mighty Thorcast, who I only mildly made fun of in that episode. So I'm giving him credit for being a good sport. Chris from Geek Brunch Retrocast and Mythmaking ETC also shared the post, and Daniel Butcher, Comic Book Time Machine, and Welcome to Level 7 commented on the post as well. So thanks for all that feedback, guys. I really appreciate it. It's time to get on to our book for this episode. El Diablo 16 had a cover price of 2 bucks, meaning I acquired this book at just over an 87% markdown. The cover, by Mike Parabek, shows El Diablo in his costume holding his mask, so we get a full face shot of the secret identity. And spoilers, but that actually matters to the story. The background image is made up of the prior covers in the series. Along with the title of the story, this effect that gave me the idea that this was going to be the final issue. The story, titled Adios, was written by Gerard Jones with art by Mike Paraback and Paul Fricke. We start with Raphael Sandy Sandoval waking up from a dream in which he is boxing, being knocked out by his opponent. It's always that fight, my last and my biggest, the one I lost. He wonders if he learned the right lesson from that fight in becoming El Diablo, and also a lawyer and politician. Maybe it should have taught me not to fight in the first place. He gets up out of bed, looks at the newspaper, and focuses on the photo of an African-American gentleman under the headline, Teacher Suspended on Racism Charge. We learn that others in the town are also reading the headline and are responding with a wide range of reactions. The teacher in question, Paige Morrison, is in a meeting with, I guess, the principal or a school board official. And there are a few students in there who were offended by Morrison's statements in class. He is accused of rewriting history to fit his political priorities. A few of the teacher's supporters barge into the office, and then things start to get heated. Morrison eventually storms out, and the principal, or or whoever he was meeting with, wonders why the teacher has to make this so difficult. I mean, it's only... It's only education. We learn that it is election season in the town, and the underdog mayoral candidate, Olga Zamora, vows to make a cause celeb of the teacher's suspension. This causes consternation for the current mayor, Mayor Longstreet. His female aide points out the stakes. If Zamora paints it as a suppression of speech issue, white politicians muzzling a non-white liberal with ethnic tensions as they are and the Democratic coalition splitting? At which point, Raphael arrives at the mayoral office and asks how the campaign is going. Ugly, the mayor replies. It's this race business, you know. White against brown and black against yellow. All this trouble just because some dang fool teacher had to go and talk about Vietnam. The mayor, who is, by the way, an old white-haired white guy, Tell Sandoval that he is needed. You can talk to these people. After talking about how important the Democratic Party has been to this town, the mayor hints that Sandoval may have a bright future if this current mess is worked out. Who knows, maybe in four years I'll be too old for this job, and well, someday it'll be time in this old town for a Hispanic mayor, don't you think? 
Sandoval is currently a city councilman, if I hadn't mentioned that before. Sandoval ponders the offer. How can I say no to that? In the midst of the, the city's turmoil, another political operative has hired a few troublemakers to, well, go make trouble. Back at party headquarters, Sandoval is greeted enthusiastically by Yolanda, who says she knows his secret and that he's got to come. A gang, Los Diablos, are giving the teacher problems. These are the troublemakers I just spoke of. We need you, she tells him. We need El Diablo. The teacher's defenders are squaring off against the teacher's detractors, and baseball bats have been brandished. There's a rock thrown, and then another. But then off in the distance we hear... Vroom! El Diablo rides up on the fight on his sweet motorcycle, Yolanda holding on to him. I will point out that neither of them are wearing helmets. You know, if one of them were on the city council, maybe they could pass an ordinance. Anyway, both sides of the confrontation assume that the vigilante hero is on their side. But he yells at all of them to just get away right away, or he's calling the cops. And he just stalks off. He is frustrated. A couple of gang kids approach him, wondering what they did wrong. And they get a a pretty long speech from El Diablo here. Remember, he is a politician. And they love to make long speeches. The upshot is that the community recently came together for another situation, I assume from prior issues. But now it's all falling apart again. El Diablo says maybe it's time that he grew up. What, you think growing up means giving up fighting for something? Then a Hispanic kid, leaning on a crutch, gives them all some ancient Aztec wisdom. And El Diablo comes to a conclusion. You don't just beat up bad guys. You end the cruelties. You end the injustices. Not as a vigilante, but as a man, among other men and women. Not by hiding your face, but by showing it. And he removes his mask. And the kids are shocked when they see who was under that mask. And the next phase of his life has begun. He is El Diablo no more. He is just city councilman Rafael Sandoval. Hello, friend. This is Christopher Willette with a very important safety message for you. Beware of monsters. Yes, friend, beware of monsters. International best-selling author Jeremy Robinson, along with bewareofmonsters.com, feel this message is so important they've commissioned me to start a podcast to get the word out. Please, beware of monsters. Each week, the Beware of Monsters podcast will speak with experts and authors on the subject of monsters, monsters of literature, of film, of comic books, of video games, monsters from everywhere. Beware of monsters. You can find more information in your iTunes or Podcatcher searches. Beware of monsters. 
This podcast is in its infancy, but you can join now and watch it grow like a mad experiment in a secret lab in an underground bunker somewhere in New England as it gets out of control, destroying all around it in its quest to control the world! Friends, beware of monsters each week. Presented by Jeremy Robinson and BewareOfMonsters.com. In a world where the internet is filled with podcasts of people saying jingles, it's, well, it's no agenda. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. Time again for the team unofficially known as the G2, fighting disinformation and lunacy all across Gitmo Nation. This is no agenda. From the Crackpot Command Center, burrowed in the southwest quadrant of Gitmo Nation East... I'm Adam Curry. And from the uh, Silicon Valley North, and why am I shouting, I'm asking the other guy, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. <laughs> Excellent. And we're back. I'm generally not a fan of westerns. I've watched very few western TV shows or movies or, or western comic books. But Jonah Hex has always intrigued me. And between finding some of his books from the 70s, mostly in reprints, from some of the backups in the new 52 All-Star Western, I was a little bit familiar with the character of El Diablo. And I knew that Brian Azzarello, a writer I really like, had written some El Diablo uh, miniseries at some point, and that intrigued me. So when I saw this, it was a no-doubt-about-it pickup. So I thought this was another chance to get to know this character. And there have been a few characters who bear the El Diablo name, but they usually had similar vibes, similar backstories, so I thought I knew what I was getting. But this, as you may have noticed, is none of those. It's not even a Western. You could probably tell that during the recap. It is in the right geographic setting for a western, a small Texas town near the Mexican border, but the modern time frame, the actual story being told, makes it really something else. And the story itself was interesting, I think. I'm still not sure what to make of this as a standalone comic. It was just so different, taking on such a, a different type of story with such a different type of ending. It, it certainly stands out. But it is a superhero comic at the core, and trying to tell this other story, the social, the, the political stuff, for a one-issue read at least, it, it did not all fit together for me. And this might be a problem with the way I run the podcast. I, I buy books for a quarter, this one, by the way, from Half Price Books, and I put them away in the quarter bin long box without reading them, there are, of course, some I've read before, but generally it's been a while since I've read those books. I want the first read, the fresh read, to be for the show. A theme episode would maybe be an exception to that. I want a Christmas story or, or Fourth of July or Veterans Day issue to be good, so I may you know, pre-read something like that. The recent Conway crossover book as well. I didn't want that to be a weak story. It was a, a celebration of Jerry Conway. So again... I made sure that was a good issue, a good story, an interesting story. But for regular episodes, standard episodes like this one, a random comic choice like this one, the process is purchase the book, 
put the book away, randomly select the book, then read and podcast about the book. So sometimes there are oddball comics that are covered, like this one. I don't know if the prior issues were a little more action-packed, a little more traditionally comic booky. There are references to Sandy just getting back from Mexico and some intense things happening there, so I'm assuming that this is what was going on in some of the prior issues. And so I guess that that did sound a little more action-packed than what we got here in, in this final issue. And that's really my fundamental issue with this issue. Nothing happens in the action sense. There are some threats, but little actual violence. Maybe the closest thing is when Yolanda bursts in on Sandy's meeting with the mayor's aide and is about to spill the beans about who he is. He grabs her by the upper arm up up near you know near the near the underarm, telling her not here, take it outside, and he's still yelling at her in the hallway, and she confirms that he was less than gentle with her guiding him into the hallway. She says, "Hey, don't get rough with me, save it for the bad guys and actually, the bad guys don't get much of his rough stuff in this issue, really, nobody does. And all that said, I appreciate the concept. I respect what was maybe the audacity of this idea, which Gerard Jones talks about in in a nice text piece at the end of the issue. He wanted to create a real American city, not one of the, as he calls them, urban hells that are typical of comic book cities. He also talked about trying to include cultural and societal aspects into the book without making it just a topical comic. Basically, he says, we wanted to bring the superhero idea back down to its roots in reality and in human heroism. And I don't have a problem with that notion, I suppose, but I admit that the choice that El Diablo makes in this issue to not be El Diablo anymore, but to be a politician, is a concept, a choice that I don't like much. The book is obviously political, and and I'm going to try to avoid those issues as much as I can, but I have to address this right here, and I swear it won't take long. I just don't consider the choice to pursue a career in elective office, or as a government employee, to be public service in the same way that police officer, firefighter, or service in the military is. Those, to me, are public service. But just working in the government, even elective office, that's a job, it's a career, but let's not overstate the importance. I'm an employee of the state of Ohio, by the way, and I'm proud of my work and my employer, and we do good. But we don't do more good than the businesses that our graduates will go to work for do, or graduates who will start their own business with the knowledge that we've hopefully imparted and the experiences they've hopefully internalized. So I don't mind Sandoval laying down the vigilante life for choosing to do good in a different way. But I personally think he could make much more of a difference, a much more substantial difference to his community if he started a business of some kind, provided jobs to this diverse set of youths in his city, 
to provide a product or service that would meet the needs of the populace. I think in the long run, that's closer to public service than joining what is clearly portrayed here as the single-party political machine of this small city, which, as we see in this issue, has some real issues. End of political discourse. In that final text piece, Jones reports that the team was told after issue 12 that the book would be canceled after 16. So they had four issues to wrap it all up. And I give Gerard Jones a lot of credit for this. This does wrap up. Again, even not knowing what happened in the first 15 issues, this is clearly the end of a character arc for Sandoval. Giving up the mask, throwing himself into this other pursuit. It's an ending that truly lives up to the phrase, the end. There's no secret sequel hiding out there. There's no obvious next chapter. It's over. And that's actually pretty rare. And in terms of that aspect, in terms of how to end a story, bringing a story to a close, that was done really well. But the undisputed strength of the comic is the art. Mike Parabek's pencils and layouts are energetic, exciting. His figure work is very consistent. As I mentioned already, the story is a little, shall we say, talky-talky. But Parabek comes up with so many different layouts and quote-unquote camera angles. For shots, he keeps the art from slowing down the story, as the story was pretty slow already. And everybody here has a distinctive look, face body shape, hairstyle, everybody is different, whether they're front and center in a panel or a background character. It's excellent and distinctive work, as always. It's a shame he's not with us anymore, and and shocking that he's been gone almost 20 years now. The verdict on El Diablo 16, well, again, the strength is the paraback art. If you're a fan of his work, and this is a good issue to find cheap, probably a good series to find cheap. But for the story, unless you can pick up the issue or two or three issues before this one for some context, I would not run out to nab this one. It's worth probably 25 cents or so. The free market has spoken on this book. That wraps up my coverage of El Diablo 16, bringing episode 58 of the Quarterbin Podcast to a close. In episode 59, I pick up with the number 9 series that we started back in episode 49 by revisiting the glory that is Doom 2099 by covering issues 2 and 3 of that excellent title. Oops, I guess that's kind of spoilers. Sorry. If you have any questions or comments about this issue, the episode, or the podcast, feel free to contact me. Until next episode, I'm Professor Allen, and I'll see you in the quarter bin. The quarter bin podcast is part of the relatively geeky family of podcasts. Show notes and links are available at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com, where the podcasts Uncovering the Bronze Age and Shortbox Showcase also make their home. Links to Facebook and Twitter are there as well. 
Feedback for the show is welcome at relativelygeeky at gmail.com. And if you like what we've got going here, please leave a review and a rating in iTunes. It'll help more people discover the show. Thanks again for listening. Professor! Professor! 